Hi, everyone. Lauren here. We're bringing you a special bonus episode because we're running a fundraiser for On the Rise, an amazing organization that serves homeless women and gender nonconforming people. As many of you know, my most recent book, This Is All I Got, is about a year in the life of a young homeless mother, a woman I call Camilla. I'm a journalist. It's nonfiction. It's a story about a brilliant and tenacious young mother who understood the workings of the system better than any social worker she met. I wanted to see if someone unusually well-equipped by mere dint of her own mind and will could find her way out of homelessness. Camilla's first year of motherhood saw her decline from someone with a robust spirit and the ability to hold court in any room, whether it was a political science class or the nail salon, to someone who was a shadow of that self. She couldn't control what circumstances she was born into any more than her own son could. She learned what millions of Americans today know all too well, that poverty is usually its own life sentence. So imagine you're a woman like Camilla. You carry your documents in your backpack every day, just in case. You refuse to drop out of school. You've even thought about law school. Half the people at family court think you're a lawyer anyway, the way you present yourself. And yet, you can't get traction to lift yourself out of a situation you were born into because you're always sent to another office or given the wrong paperwork, and you're alone. Camilla would often say to me, you're nothing but a number. Your case number, your social security number, your number on the housing wait list, all humanity erased. Your individualism nullified, not to mention any tailored care that your unique situation could use. And it's not always a straight line from instability to stability. If you think that's a personal failing, think about how many more people are living in a place of precarity than their parents did. And since the pandemic, since eviction moratoriums were lifted, since massive job losses have incurred, I could go on. But you know, it's so much worse today than when I was reporting my book before our world turned upside down. So let me tell you a little bit about what it looks like to live that way in most places, including where On the Rise is in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You have a bed in a congregate shelter. Luckily, they're not requiring a lottery system anymore. Your bathroom and shower affords no privacy. You need to leave the premises early each morning. Where do you go? Where can you stay warm? Staying out all day is a full-time job. So is trying to deal with SSI or food stamps. So is trying to get housing, even trying to get an ID. Where does your mail get sent? Will you get it soon enough or at all to reply or show up for a crucial appointment that might determine if you eat or where you sleep? And then there's your health. Who can see you? Where? What about your mental health? Do you have sessions with your provider on your phone or your case manager over Zoom? Is there Wi-Fi? Are you in the corner of a Dunkin' Donuts or on a sidewalk? Is it snowing? Do you have a coat? Does anybody know your name? I've had the great privilege to spend some time at On the Rise, and I want to tell you a paltry amount of what I saw. A private bathroom with a shower, private space and equipment and technical support for meetings and sessions with caseworkers or therapists, a warm, convivial kitchen where people were helping themselves to lunch, a beautiful living room where people gathered watching a movie, munching on popcorn, the boutique, as they call it, filled with stylish and warm donated clothing. And that's just the beginning. The thing that really got me, the thing that I wish that Camilla had beyond all else, was the people. I've been in a lot of spaces where people talk about the importance of relationships, seeing the individual, meeting people where they are, helping how they need to be helped. And I can tell you, most of these places still rely on a one-size-fits-all plan, and relationships last as long as a consulting session. 
But when I visited On the Rise, I felt something entirely different. At On the Rise, I felt something I haven't felt in a while, and that was hope. I felt problems being solved and people being seen. I felt the dignity of personal connection. The injustice of homelessness can feel so vast that it's hard to imagine as individuals that we can make a difference. But we can. We can fight this injustice on two levels, by reforming a system that allows this human rights crisis to worsen every year, and with a donation, supporting an organization and the wonderful people who have committed their lives to ensure that people won't have to face this life alone. And with that, I want to introduce you to Charity Writer, who is the Director of Clinical Services on the rise. I'm a super fan of charities and of this organization. And we want to welcome her so she can tell us a little bit more. Hi, Charity. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I feel like there's nothing left to say almost. (laughs) You covered it all. I love that. But that's not true. There's lots more to cover. But I think you really did hit the high points. You know, we're a daytime place where people can come to get their basic needs met, right? So we have lunch and breakfast. We have computers. People can get their mail here. People can take a nap. People can get clothing. All those sort of tangible things. But the real thing that we're trying to do is create those longstanding, trusting, meaningful relationships because they are the thing that can really help people make change. If you have people in your corner, you have people who believe in you, who really see you for who you are. And I think one of the things that we hear from most of our participants is that outside of this space, they feel invisible. They don't feel seen. They don't feel welcomed. And so we're really working so hard every day to create a space of belonging and community. And I think that really is what is so special about On the Rise. So the space itself is this beautiful old house that has this brightly painted red door and you walk inside it and it just feels like home. And that's where the kitchen is and the living room is and the offices upstairs that help people with services. But one of the things that I was really marked by is how much you carry the work outside of that space. When I was reporting This Is All I Got, one of the things I was most marked by was how impossible it is to navigate the system. You know, something I've written and talked about a lot is the concept of administrative burden, that what it means to actually try to move your case along, advocate for yourself, even if you are as skilled as Camilla is, it's just impossible. And it's really, really hard to face alone. And the fact that people at On The Rise will assist people both in the offices there and also travel through the system with participants, that I thought was really incredible. Can you tell me a little bit about what workers do there? Yeah. So it's so true. I mean, I think we all need people when we're doing hard things, right? It's helpful to have someone to call or to be with when you're doing those things that are really daunting. And so for a lot of our folks, They're going to a doctor's appointment and they haven't seen a doctor in a really long time or they're going to a doctor to get bad news and they don't know that they can handle it alone or they don't know that they're going to remember what the doctor says to them or, you know, they're going to court facing maybe an eviction or something and they don't know their rights. And so our advocates spend so much time going to those places with people and sitting with them. And honestly, it's intentional because we don't want people to experience those things alone. But it's also in those moments that you're with people in those places that the relationship really develops. You're spending a lot of time waiting in court and all of that time that you're sitting there, you're getting to know each other and you're sharing things about each other and you're understanding more about what their story is and what brought them to Boston. And I think it's really important to emphasize, too, that we're not just 
talking about things that brought people to on the rise, right? Like relationships are not about only the bad things about people, right? And so we really want to honor that we are looking at people as people and not problems. And so the things that brought them to On the Rise are just part of their story. And those are only part of the things that we want to know. And so the folks that we serve, I feel like we really know. We know many things about them. We know where they grew up, what they like to do. Maybe they're a good dancer or they like to write or they're a painter. You know, everybody has these things about them that aren't necessarily lifted up when you're in this position of needing so much help, right? People really tend to focus on the deficits that people are bringing to the table. And it's just not the totality of who people are. And so I think that accompaniment is a real intentional part of our program, not only because people need it, but because it's relational. It's where you can really sort of share these moments with people that are really important. And it just helps to feel, again, like you matter, like someone cares about you, and that you can be helped along this really complicated, unwelcoming system that people are forced to deal with to get their needs met. I mean, of course, the work that you do for everyone feels like it matters more than ever. Thinking about life since the pandemic and how that has changed social services and also just thinking about how damn cold it's been. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're navigating lately? Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit in your intro, but I think one of the things that we're, we're really navigating these days is that a lot of things switch to virtual services during the pandemic out of necessity. And some have kind of remained that way or are not as accessible in person still as they were. And so you touched on it in your your intro about, you know, sometimes people are having their mental health appointments on Zoom, but when you are unhoused, you don't really have any privacy. So, and maybe you don't have technology, right? So providing those kinds of supports for people, providing space in the house for people to take those telehealth appointments or to do their Zoom court that they have with, you know, the advocates sitting next to them using the computer. I do think that you touched on it as well, that there aren't as many lotteries in the shelters, but definitely shelters are at capacity right now. There are just more people needing those services. And so even though there's not lotteries where people are having to line up necessarily, there's not necessarily enough beds every night. And so in Cambridge right now, we have the city opened a warming center, which is an overnight center where people can go in. There's no beds, but there are mats that they can use on the floor. But, you know, there are these overflow spaces now in communities, not just in Cambridge. Boston has one. There's some other surrounding communities that have them. But, you know, these warming centers are really important. And also they are often pretty scary for people. You know, there are definitely women that we serve and trans and non-binary folks who don't want to go in those spaces just because they don't feel safe for whatever reason, right? They don't feel safe there. And so really trying to figure out where people can go if they are not able to get a bed is something that we're navigating. And then, you know, for anyone who was in the Northeast last weekend, it was really next level what people were dealing with and the sort of stress and the panic we all felt of how we were going to get people inside. Because we definitely have outside sleepers who really choose. um, They feel safer outside than they do in. So that should tell you something, right, about some of the spaces that people are going to. If you feel safer sleeping outside than you would feel inside a shelter, it's pretty telling. And so we do have those folks. And so really working hard to find out where those people could go to be inside even just for a couple nights was really stressful. And I think 
sort of bearing witness to the pain and struggle that people experience here on a daily basis is very hard. And it's obviously harder for the people who are experiencing it. But last weekend felt really, really hard for the people who we work with and who, you know, the staff, it was really, really hard to sort of witness that and just worry all weekend about people. Thankfully, they did open South Station again. South Station used to be a refuge. It's a, for folks who are not familiar with Boston, um, South Station is the train station where the Amtrak comes and the commuter rail. And that used to be a place where unhoused folks would spend a lot of time. And in the last couple of years, they've started locking the doors at night. And so people can't access that space, but our new governor insisted that that space be open over last weekend. So that was helpful to some people who just really needed to get inside. And I know that a few of our people did access that. And so that was really good to know that they were at least not outside in this horrible cold. I mean, I'm imagining as you're describing weekends like the one that you just did, that people who are on staff five days a week end up working seven days a week and that it's not like all of a sudden there's extra money to pay for people to be around a little bit more. I'm just thinking about, you know, what sorts of things our community's donations can help fund And I know it's sort of an endless list of needs, but are there any things that you might be able to specify to maybe motivate people? Yeah, we definitely want to expand our hours. And in order to do that, it's going to require some more staffing. And so in a small nonprofit like ours, much of the funding that we get does fund salaries for people to do the work. And I think that is something that we always are thinking of ways to expand our services. But in the sort of granular nitty gritty donations, you know, we spend a lot of money on our participants. And the thing that's really great about On the Rise is that we we are funded a lot by private funding. Like a lot of our funding sources are private. And so we're allowed to be really flexible. So last weekend, for instance, there was a person who was unable to get into shelter. She did not want to go into shelter. She wanted to do something different. And we were able to help her find an Airbnb just for a night. We were able to buy people boots who can't afford to buy winter boots. We do things that are sort of out of the norm, I think, of a lot of traditional agencies because we can. And so funding that we get from donations like your listeners are used for those kinds of things too, right? The sort of out of the ordinary, like we had a participant the other day who got a job, but she didn't have the uniform and she didn't have the money to buy the uniform. And so we bought her the uniform. We bought her the non-skid shoes that she needed for her catering job. And without our support, she really wouldn't have been able to take that job because she couldn't get the stuff that was required because she didn't have any money. And so, you know, to have the flexibility to do those kinds of things for people when they come to us and ask Not to knock government funding, but there's not a line item usually in your budget to buy somebody nonstick shoes in the government contract, you know? I mean, that's not something that's typically allowed. And so I think we are so privileged to have the flexibility that we have because of the funders that we have and the, the individual donors that we have that just really allow us to be creative and actually really address the needs that people have to do the things that they need to do. So we're running our fundraiser for On the Rise through the end of February. 
Instead of buying a box of chocolates or champagne, maybe you would consider a donation in the name of your Valentine, or just really think about about the world that we live in and what it means to donate to an organization that can be so resilient, that has built so much trust with its participants that it can really meet people where they are. And, you know, people like Charity who just get the shit done. I really hope that you help us reach our goal of $10,000. And you can contribute by going to notsorryworks.com and clicking on that big banner that says, don't be a Dursley. Thank you so much for joining us, Charity. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to see you. It's such a pleasure. 